0: up next on walking by faith
1: and there's some of you you need to start praising right now you haven't got all the answer but you've seen the start you've seen
0: the foundation you need to stand up you need to start to praise god you need to thank him that what he started he's going to finish you're on television you're online wherever you are you stand up you begin to thank him he started the job he's going to finish the job Don't let the devil steal your joy. If he can't steal your joy, he can't derail your faith. And if you'll stay in faith, God will see you all the way through.
1: Hello. I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith. And today we're going to be talking about discovering and living your God-given dream. God has a dream, a destiny, a purpose for you. Just like He said to the children of Israel, I've got the promised land for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. God has that for each of us individually. You were created with a purpose, with a destiny. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that God has prepared good works beforehand for you, to do, that he's prepared paths ahead of time for you and I to take. We are not just out there without purpose. There is a purpose. There is a destiny. I want to talk to you today about discovering that destiny, flowing in that purpose, and living your God-given dream. I want you to come with me right now as this message begins. We've been talking about discovering and living your God-given dream. Now, the Bible tells us, but there's actually a quote from Psalms, Jesus goes into the temple and he, he takes and he makes a whip, right? Now, now, this is not the meek and lowly that you're thinking. You know, most people think about Jesus meek and lowly. I mean, he was like wild, right? He makes a whip and he's chasing the people that are, that are selling different animals and stuff in the temple. He's chasing them out and he says, you know, in my father's house, it shall be a house of prayer. And the disciples remember that it's written in Psalm 69, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. Right? One of the ways that we can know about the thing that God has called us to right, is the thing that gets you excited. Or it can be the thing that you hate. You say, What do you mean by the thing that I hate? Well, you might hate to see abuse in an area. And really, God, God is, is calling you to do something about it. Moses was a great example of this. Moses is seeing the Israelites being oppressed. And he goes and tries to deliver the Israelites. His problem was he tried to do it on his own without God's help. But he was called to be a deliverer. When he runs away, he sees some shepherd ladies being abused and he delivers them from the abusers. All right. He was called to be a deliverer. That was the call on his life. The thing that he hates hated it related to his call now God sends him 40 years later to be the deliverer for Israel well the Bible says about Jesus that zeal for your house has eaten me up I want to ask you what is the thing that excites you what is the thing that you're passionate about You know, the the Bible tells us that we need, by the way, every one of us need to be passionate about the things of God. We need to seek that first. The Bible says this in Romans 12. Listen to this, verse 11. Don't let your enthusiasm wane. I've seen this happen in so many people's lives, so many Christians. They, They get saved, they get excited, but over a period of time, their enthusiasm wanes. Now, the Bible says don't let it. In other words, when it wanes, it's not God's fault, it's our fault. How many of you know he's great? It, it, the problem is not on God's side, the problem is on our side. And I want to, to begin today, I want to talk to you about two things that we do that keeps us f- from having the enthusiasm, the passion that we should. It says, don't let it wane. It says, be spiritually alive. And it's going to tell us what to do. Listen, to the rest of the verse, bind yourself to the Lord in service. Bind yourself to the Lord in service. In other words, one of the things that is necessary, this is not optional, this is necessary. If you're going to stay spiritually alive, you need to bind yourself to the Lord in service. That means you need to do something in the kingdom of God. If all that you do is sit back and you're a reservoir and you receive and you receive and you receive and you receive, your enthusiasm is going to wane. You're going to become like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has the Jordan River flowing into it, but there is no outlet. And it's dead. I mean, there is literally there is nothing that can live in it. And that's what happens to our spiritual lives when all we do is sit there and receive and receive and receive and become a reservoir. Instead of seeing yourself as a reservoir, you need to see yourself as a river. When, When I say that, I mean this. I mean that wherever you go, you're bringing blessing You're lifting people everywhere. Anyone that you come in contact with, you bring blessing and you're lifting people. You know, when we focus on ourselves, we become less content, less enthusiastic, and literally we become less blessed because it's like we repel blessing. But when we focus on on others and the needs of others, all right, our needs like automatically get met. We become more content, and literally the Bible tells us we become more enthusiastic. Our enthusiasm does not wane when we take what we're receiving and we give it out. Now, the other thing that really helps our enthusiasm is we get around enthusiastic people. I mean, one of the best known chapters in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is where David faces Goliath. Right? Now, uh, three of David's brothers are in the army, and his father sends him to bring them some food. But Goliath, the Bible says for 40 days, every morning, every night, Goliath, this giant who's some 10 foot tall, he comes out every morning, every night, and he says, I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man to fight. And if I kill him, you'll be our slaves. If he kills me, we'll be your slaves. And the Bible says that the result of this it says, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And by the way, if there was anybody who should have fought the giant, it was Saul. He was king, right? And the Bible says he's head and shoulders taller than anybody else in all of Israel. He was the most naturally qualified. But when they heard, they were dismayed, greatly afraid. It says in verse 24, when they saw the man, they fled from him. And we're dreadfully afraid. So the leader is afraid. Everybody else is afraid. And nothing, nobody is willing to come and confront this giant. But David, who's been watching the sheep, hasn't been around Saul, hasn't been around the army. His father sends him and he hears the giant say the same thing. But his reaction is completely different. He's had no contact with that army. And he hears, and his reaction is, I'll go and fight this guy. Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this man who has no covenant with God? When we the Israelites have a covenant, he said, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And of course, Saul, of course, first he tries to talk him out of it. Because that's his mentality. You aren't able. Nobody in our army is able. His brothers had tried to discourage him. And by the way, when his brothers tried to discourage him, I love what David did. The Bible says that he just turned around, turned his back towards them, and asked somebody else, what's going to happen to the man who kills that giant and takes away this reproach? So the king tries to dissuade him. And he just keeps saying, no, no, I'm going to go. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear. When they tried to rob one of my sheep, I went out and I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And the same God who delivered me from the lion and bear will deliver me from this Philistine. So finally the king says, all right, go and fight him. Tries to put his armor on him, doesn't fit. David said, this isn't going to work. And all he does is take a shepherd's staff in one hand and he takes a sling in the other. He passes by the brook. And and interestingly, this is one of the places in Israel when we absolutely, positively know exactly where it took place. You you, you can go today, go down to that brook, all right, and pick up five smooth stones of your own. They're still there, all right? And he goes down, he picks up five smooth stones. Somebody says, why five? Well, a lot of Bible teachers say it represents the five-fold ministry of Ephesians chapter 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that he picked up five stones because the Bible is very clear that Goliath had four brothers. He was ready to take out the whole camp, all right? He wasn't wasn't just ready for the one. He said, like, I'm going to be ready for whatever shows up, all right? And it's interesting, Saul killed no giants and nobody in his army killed any giants. David was a giant killer, and the Bible records specifically when each one of Goliath's brothers were killed, and they were men that David had trained. You know, giant killers kill giant killers. It's really important who you hang around. So David goes down. The giant sees him come and says, hey, you come at me with a stick? He said, I'm going to kill you. And he cursed them. the Bible says, by his gods. But David said, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, whose armies you have defiled. And today I will deliver, God will deliver you into my hand and I will feed you in the carcasses of the Philistines to the birds of the air, into the beasts of the field. And he threw that stone. The Bible says it hit him right in the forehead. It sunk in. He fell down. David went and cut his head off. Now, here's what I love about this story. The giant said, and then David said, and then David ran at the giant, knocked the giant down, killed the giant's head, excuse me, killed that giant, took his sword, cut his head off, and the giant said nothing else. (laughs) Do you know when David talked back to that giant, that giant was surprised. You say, why? Because nobody talked back to him since he was in the fifth grade. When you're 10 foot tall, nobody messes with you. And when you weigh 350 pounds in fifth grade, you got it made, you know. He was shocked. But there was a battle that was going on, and it was a battle of words. And David, he had the last word. He ran at that giant after he spoke, and God delivered him into his hand. Now, here's what people said. The the army, they saw Goliath, and they said, he is so big. How could I ever kill him? I think David said, he is so big, how could I miss? (laughs) Different perspective. Different perspective. David was looking at how big his God was. They were looking at how big the enemy was. And I want to encourage you today by letting you know that your God, he is great. The Bible says in Psalms 19, verse 1, the heavens are telling of the greatness of God. The heavens are telling or declaring the greatness of God. I wanted to introduce you to two stars. Some of you may know these stars. One of them, uh, it doesn't look like it, but they actually pronounce it Betelgeuse. That makes it easy to pronounce. Betelgeuse is 640 light years away. So if we got in the car and we drove at the speed of light, 160, 60, what is it, 186 miles per second, we'd be lapping the earth seven times every second. And we did that for 640 years. We would get to the star Betelgeuse, which, by the way, that star is two. Well, well, this way, over two quadrillion Earths, quadrillion Earths, fit inside of Betelgeuse. Now, I, 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 quadrillion, I, you know, I, I know about the national debt. I knew a little bit about trillions, but I'd never even heard of a quadrillion. Right? So this helped me understand what is a quadrillion? right? A million seconds ago is only 12 days ago. A billion seconds ago is 31 years ago. A trillion seconds ago is 31,000 years ago. A quadrillion seconds ago is 31,709 years ago. And two quadrillion, so that's what would it be? Two, two billion billion Earths fit inside of Betelgeuse. But that's not the biggest star. The biggest one they found is UV shooty. Now, UV shooty is 950 light years away. 950, excuse me, 9,500 light years away. And we can put... quadrillion Earths inside of that one star UV shooting. And again, what's what's a quadrillion? It's a trillion trillions. But this is six quadrillion that fits inside of that one star. So you say, what does that mean? That means that the prophet was right. And he said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything, we look at our problem and we think our problem is so big, all right? But the truth is our God is so big that, there, that the prophet said there is nothing that is hard for the Lord. The heavens are telling the greatness of God. Our God is so great that we cannot even wrap our minds around how great he is. And I understand there's gonna be opposition in life. Now, I want to talk to you about something that we don't do that is necessary for breakthrough in most of our cases, all right? And I want to talk to you about praise, but I want to talk to you about it a little bit different. I want to talk to you about praising God and celebrating in advance before things happen. When when, when we begin to see the hand of God move, begin to praise. Now, in the book of Ezra, Ezra is coming, has come, and the temple has been destroyed. And the Bible tells us that he gets the people together, that he motivates the people, and, and they, they lay the foundation to the temple. And when they laid the foundation, now the Bible says the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David. And they sang, and, and they're praising, and they're giving thanks, and they're saying, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout. And when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord was laid, it said the sound of their shout was loud and the sound was heard afar off. Now here's what they began to do. They began to praise God when the foundation was laid. You got the picture? There's no walls, there's no roof, there's no altar, there's no candelabra, there's no menorah, there is not all they've got is a foundation. And when the foundation gets laid, they begin to worship, they begin to praise God because what God begins, God sees through to the end. Now, what we tend to do is we want to wait until everything is already taken place. All right, and then we want to praise God. Right, but faith sees from the beginning where God is going in the end, and we need to begin to praise when we have the partial answer. We need to begin to celebrate and to thank God when He begins to complete that dream. All right, because what God starts, He finishes. All right, and literally, what happens when we begin to praise God? All right, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. All right, and when we begin to praise Him. All right? The joy comes and strength comes. If you don't lose your joy, the devil cannot derail your faith. And what we need to do is we need to stop waiting until we've got all of the answer. And we need to start right now. And there's some of you, you need to start praising right now. You haven't got all the answer,
0: but you've seen the start. You've seen the foundation. You need to stand up. You need to start to praise God. You need to thank him that what he started, he's going to finish. You're on television. You're online. Wherever you are, you stand up. You begin to thank him. He started the job. He's going to finish the job. Don't let the devil steal your joy. If he can't steal your joy, he can't derail your faith. And if you'll stay in faith, God will see you all the way through. Don't wait till you've got everything. Faith shouts while the walls are still up, and when the shout comes, the walls fall down. Celebrate when you see the beginning of what God's doing, because he's going to see it all the way through. Now, Here's what we want to do. We want everything to be
1: just right. When everything is perfect, I'm going to be so thankful. If that is the case, you will never be thankful. You'll never begin to praise God. I'm telling you, like 99% of the time, something ain't right. All right? There's an attack on your body. Finances aren't quite right. Marriage ain't quite right. You hear those words, those words every man hates to hear. When Jeannie says to me, we need to talk. Oh, God. You know, things just ain't right. They ain't right when she says that. All right? Something's not right with a kid. Something's not right with a job. Something's not right with a friend. Something's not right with the extended family. There is always something that's not right. And if you think you got to wait until everything's right, and you got to wait until everything has happened, you will never begin to praise God. But the Bible tells us to give the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15, "Therefore, by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Why is it a sacrifice? Because all the answers is not there yet. That's why. What is the sacrifice of praise? The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Right? That's, that's the sacrifice of praise. Now, stuff happens. And expecting life always to be fair because you're a good person is it like expecting a bull not to charge because you're a, vet, excuse me, a vegetarian. It just ain't going to happen. Right? Life is going to throw some stuff at you. Things aren't always going to be perfect, but that's when we begin to praise. That activates your faith. Right? And when God sees faith, the Bible says without him, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to receive from God without it. Right? The Bible says this, that God's going to do with you and me. He's going to take us from faith to faith. At some point, you accepted a limitation, but you didn't realize that God wasn't done yet. That Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. That he takes you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. What maybe held you at one point because you weren't where you needed to be yet in faith to break free isn't going to hold you later when he takes you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. That habit, that addiction, that depression, that dread that had you, when God takes you to that new place of faith, when you begin to praise God, when you don't have the whole answer, but he begins to move and you see the hand of God, when you begin to praise him, that thing, it breaks You've got authority over the devil. You know, Jesus said in Luke 10, 9, he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt or harm you. Mark 16, he said, These signs will follow them that believe in my name. The list starts with they will cast out demons. And I've had people say, well, how does that even work? What what does that mean? Well, let me give you a Bible example. And this is found in Acts chapter 16. It says, it happened as they went to a place of prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. And I've thought about teaching on this. The, the Bible here in my, my, my Bible says a spirit of divination. Right? The, the Hebrew, excuse me, the Hebrew, the Greek actually says a python spirit. And some of you, your translations actually say a python spirit. Now, how many know what a python does? It wraps itself around you. And then it compresses and compresses and compresses and squeezes the life right out of you. That is a picture of what the devil tries to do in every Christian's life. Right? He wants to squeeze the life right out of you. All right? She brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. This she did for many days. But Paul being greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of you, her. And he came out the same hour. He didn't talk to the girl. He talked to the spirit. And the spirit left. And when that spirit left, she was free. The Bible says this in Romans 10 in verse 8. But what does it, faith, say? It says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. The spoken word. Some of us are speaking the wrong word. We're, we're telling ourselves, you're, you're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to lose weight. You're never going to get a good job. You're never, you're, you're never going to uh, um, um, turn the situation around. You'll always be a failure. You're probably going to end up in prison. But the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. The Bible says the word of victory. The word of deliverance, the word of salvation, it's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. right? And we need to have that heart and mouth connection. What's in your heart needs to be coming out of your mouth. Right? Right? The Bible says this in Micah. Listen, Micah 2.13. The one who breaks open will come up before them. And by the way, the one who breaks open is the Lord. And they will break out. That's us and pass through the gate, and go out by the way, and their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. God is the God who breaks open. He breaks it open so that you and I can break out. And we need to break out of the negative thinking, the insecurities, our depression, our past failures, hopelessness, that self-defeating mentality that nothing is ever going to change. God breaks open so that we can break out. But one of the things that are necessary to break out is we've got to praise before we see the entire answer when God begins to move and we've got to make sure that our mouth is speaking the right thing. You know, the devil will tell you, you haven't made it, you're never going to make it. I, I want to tell you that there, it, you, it is not too late. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, it says the one thing we should fear is that anyone has missed their chance. I want you to know something that God has got a call and a gift in every single person that's here. And don't think of your life, don't think of your life as a reservoir. See it as a river where every place that you go, you're to be a blessing. You're to lift. You're to help. You're to add value. You're to encourage people and point them towards our King of Kings. Say, as you've been watching today, as we're talking about your God-given destiny, living that dream, discovering the dream, and in your heart, you realize this, I'm really away from God or I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. I want you to bow your head and pray this prayer with me from your heart. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, this is what God says, you will be saved. Romans 10, verse 13, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to call on His name the way the Bible shows us to. God's promise is, will be saved. So pray this prayer. Make these words your own. Just Speak this out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe His blood paid for my sins. I believe He rose again. And I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for Him every day. I turned my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child, a part of your family forever and ever in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God right now. Romans 10, 13. God cannot lie. That's his promise. Now, we want to help you keep growing spiritually. And one of the things that we want to do, is I wrote a book, I want to get that book to you free of charge. You can download it right now. Or if you need a hard copy, we can get you a hard copy of the book, but it'll help you keep growing spiritually. Now, if this program is blessing you, please pray for us, help us financially, as we're taking the gospel around the world. Thank you, and God bless you.
0: In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, if any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program,
1: please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivanrest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.